welcome to Times Talk, the podcast where we dig a little deeper into the issues facing Malta right now. I'm Vanessa Keneally. On this episode, after almost four decades, why do we still not know who murdered 32-year-old accountant Lino Kauki and dumped his dismembered body down a well? I found two or three other bags. And in one of the plastic bags, there was the skull of a man weighted down by an eight octagonal shaped um, mallet. On February 15, 1985, Lino Kauki came home for lunch. Before going back to his office, he told his wife Anna, who was three months pregnant at the time, about documents he was leaving in a briefcase at their home. He gave her strict instructions not to give the papers to anyone. Lino left and was never seen again. The next day, a man claiming to be from the Inland Revenue Department came to the couple's home and asked Anna for the documents. She handed them over. Two days later, the briefcase was found, forced open and empty. Lino's wife and son are now seeking compensation for how the investigation was handled by both the government and police at the time, given that it took three years to find his remains. They were discovered by a man using water from a well to wash his car. The man found black bags containing body parts. One of the very first people on the scene was director of the police forensic laboratory, Dr. Anthony Abella Medici. He joins me now. On the 18th of November, 1985, um, I was uh, called uh, to a scene at Il Bosque, limits of Busquet um, in Rabat, Malta. So we opened the well and uh, it was in fact a, a very large room with, with um, arches inside to hold the, the, the roof. Um, but of course, um, uh, it, was during, it was probably made during the times of the night. We found this, this floating object, which was white um, uh, and didn't look like a body at all, except it was like the back of a, of a person. And initially, we thought it was it must have been um, some 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 remains of of, of carnival, uh, of a carnival float which mm-hmm. had been thrown into the water. Um, the story behind this was that a man went um, as usual to to to, to wash his car uh, using this free water from the well, and his pail fell in the well, and he probed with a with a tree trunk um, to try and get the well to the, the pail up. In the process, he must have punctured something, and this thing floated to the surface. Wow. So that was the background. Now, this man got frightened and went to his lawyer, and his lawyer went to the magistrate. So he didn't report it to the police, but reported it to the magistrate straight away. That's why, why I was called to, by the magistrate to, to go to the well. I, I gave instructions to, to one police diver to go down. Uh, I gave him a ground sheet, a plastic ground sheet, to put around this object and bring it up, and which I did. Um, uh, and when he brought it up, um, we didn't see that it was um, a carnival float, but it could have been uh, the remains of a body, which had been in the water for a long time. 
And um, the pathologist at that time thought it was it must have been the body of a, of a, of a woman. So our first initial um, indications was that it, this was a woman in a well. Um, at that point, of course, it became important um, for the well to be emptied, and I gave orders to the police um, fire brigade to remove the water very carefully, passing all the water through sieves. So every everything that went, went out with the water pushed by the pumps was actually collected in the sieves. So we put um, a, a ladder down and I and a, a small lamp at that time connected to a generator. I was the first person to go down that well in, in an empty well or almost empty well. And um, in the process, um, I found two or three other bags. And in one of the plastic bags, there was the skull of a man weighted down by an eight octagonal shaped um, mallet, which must have, which could have been at that moment, which could have been the cause of death. Eventually we did prove that this was the cause of death. So um, a, a human skull in a plastic bag is, is an offense. It could either be that the person had died and they had dismembered him and placed him in, in plastic bags. And of course, um, uh, hiding or disposing of a body, uh, even if you don't kill him, uh, is an offense. Or else it could have been a murder. So we started um, the process of a murder investigation. We appointed, or rather I asked the magistrate to appoint a foreign um, pathologist who had experience in this area. And he appointed um, Professor Ian West, very famous pathologist in, in the United Kingdom. He came to Malta in April of 1986, and we carried out another post-mortem at that point. And in the process, um, we identified the person, to, the, the, the remains of that person, to be male of approximately 1.6 to 1.8 meters in stature. And of course, that he was a male of about, I think, I'm not sure from memory now, of about 35 to 38 years of age. We found that the long bones had been cut using two different uh, instruments. One must have been a, an electrical saw, and the other one was an ordinary saw. So, which means that at least there were more than one person who was who was um, who was involved. At this point, uh, we we gave the information to the police. They started looking at missing persons. Um, in covering those those parameters, mm -hmm. and they came up with five persons, okay, including Lino Kauki. Then we started working on reconstructing the skull. The skull we found that had been broken um, into twenty-seven pieces. So we started reconstructing using um, using wax um, to place the, like a jigsaw puzzle. We we started um, building up the face with plasticine, and in that way, we could eventually got um, a face. The, 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 the face that came up was very close to that of Lino Kauke. Um, but gut feeling and even having 80, 90% um, accuracy is not enough mm -hmm. to take a person to court, should there be a person to be arraigned in court. Um, according to forensic work, it, uh, identification has to be beyond reasonable doubt. And beyond reasonable doubt in, in forensic and criminal cases is 99.98%. I see. Now, the situation was that. There was no other, no other 
means of identification at that time. There was no DNA. There was no other um, scientific methods of, 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 of identifying a person um, at that level. Now, two years later, or a year later, really, in 1987, August of 1987, uh, I was invited to attend the triennial conference of the International Forensic Society. And this was in Vancouver. I noticed that there was a forensic anthropology um, lecture by um, Professor Kenneth Brown of the South Australia Forensic Odontology Unit in Adelaide, and I attended that lecture. And in the process, was a, he was mentioning that he had found a new method called craniofacial video superimposition, which basically identifies a person 100%. And so after that lecture, I approached him and I said, listen, if my government and, my, and, the, and the court in Malta allow me to bring this call over, would you be able to take it on for us and, and, and we can work it on, on out together? And um, he said, well, I'll have to ask my own government as well. Eventually, the permission came from both sides. I went to Australia with uh, a small team of, of, of court experts um, uh, to, to carry out this work. And uh, after a lot of work there in Australia and Adelaide, um, we were able to identify conclusively um, that this was Lino Kauke. Still to come. By 1985, we had a lot of problems. In 1984, I had 27 bombing incidents in, 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 in three months. We look at the political atmosphere at the time of Kauke's death and why many believe he was killed for what he might have known. At the Times of Malta, we know this is a difficult period for everyone, and we're feeling it too. We're doing our best to bring you the most factual information every day and put pressure on the authorities to answer all of your questions and more. But independent journalism costs money and we need your help. Please go to www.timesofmalta.com forward slash donate and give as little as two euro. Thank you. As we already mentioned, Lino Kauke was an accountant by trade. His firm had clients with links to several politicians, including Public Works Minister Laurie Sant, the only MP ever to be found involved in corruption by the Permanent Commission Against Corruption. Evidence suggests that Kauke was asked to draw up a number of sale agreements for land for members of Sant's inner circle. It was never known what documents were stolen from Kauke's home on the day after he went missing, but it is known that he increased the value of his life insurance before he was murdered. It's thought he feared for his life after his partner in the law firm died in suspicious circumstances in hospital. While Dr Abella was only involved in the forensic side of this investigation, he had first-hand knowledge of how volatile the situation in Malta was during the mid-80s. He disappeared, of course, in 1982, in February of 1982. At that point, there were a little bit of political commotions because the, the party in opposition at that time did not want to enter parliament, I believe. By 1985, we had a lot of problems. In 1984, I had 27 bombing incidents in Malta in, 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 in three months. Um, bombings of, of police stations, bombings of Part, you know, political party clubs and things like that. 
So there was a lot of problems at that time. His wife and son are now, I mean, the reason we're talking about this today is that they are looking for compensation as to yes, how yes, it yes. Was, the investigation was handled. I mean, do you, you, do you, are you confident you stand by? I do my work well. Yes, I'm confident yes. that I do my work well with no, with, with no, um, no, um, well, what should I say? I have to say the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. And that's the way I've always operated. You know, it's almost four decades now since, since it happened. Yes. The malice, the bags, the remains. Yes, yes, yes. Do they, are they sitting in a, in a container somewhere? I mean, could they be pulled out and re-examined with modern techniques? Oh, yes. I mean, uh, um, the, the man, everything that we pulled out of that well was presented in court. Including the work we did, we carried out, including the skull of Lino Kalki. But if if the if the if the skull was kept by the courts, and I I have a gut feeling that it was kept by the courts because of the pot, future potential um, use in in against in in, in 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 against against a person who may be arraigned for with his murder, then that skull would still be in the court somewhere in the vaults or or. Or, or whatever. I mean, the, the mallet, let's take the mallet, for example, even though it was in water, it could potentially have traces of DNA of the person who, um, who, who held it in his hand. And in that case, um, that DNA can be examined. And why there would this be not my, be minor, minor traces, but yeah. it could still be possible. Is it, is it is there like a bureaucratic reason that this would not be pulled out again to re-examine? Well, that the the whole decision rests with the courts, uh, Vanessa. Okay. Um, okay. No, you know, um, the courts decide what to do. Um, the courts decide uh, what actions to take. Okay, and depending on the requests, of course, of the parties concerned. There could be a request by the police. And uh, there could be a request by the by the defendant, or in this case, the family. If they ask for, for these tests, the court may or may not. I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not imposing on the courts to do that, but the courts may decide to, 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 to reinvestigate. Why not? Okay, okay. okay. Um, I've, I've, I've reinvestigated many cases because of newer information. For example, uh, I had investigated... When you When you hear of the case coming up again, what, what do you feel when you hear about these these kind of cold cases as such? Obviously, Lino Kauke was killed in a very brutal way. Um, whether he was killed for political reasons or not, I cannot be the judge of that. Thanks for listening today. Please take the time to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And if there's any topics you'd like us to investigate, feel free to contact us at the email address timestalk at timesofmalta.com.